anybody because we love them and all we want to see is them being saved. Are we loving people that way? When we see people flawed and have missteps and do wrong things, do it grieve you to say, oh, they don't know Jesus, and that's why they're doing that. Oh, if they could know Jesus, uh, Lord, however, you got to reveal yourself to them uh, that they will know you uh, and receive your salvation. Uh, Lord, will you touch, will you reach out to them? Because the reason why they're doing that is because they don't know you. There's no way they would know you and, 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 and obey you and trust you and follow you and do that kind of stuff. So if they're doing it, regardless of what's coming out of their mouth, they don't know him. They're not following him. We need to pray that they're saved. How badly do we want to see people saved? Love will always require sacrifice. Love will always require sacrifice. There is no way you can authentically say you love and there is no sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he sacrificed. He came from heaven, became a man, walked this earth, laid down his life that we may be saved. For God so loved the world that he sacrificed himself so we can have life. You can't love without sacrifice. There must be travail before there can be birth in the natural. And there must be travail in prayer before God if we ought to see or will see people saved. If we're not praying and travailing in prayer for God to save the lost, then do we really care that people are saved? If we're not praying and petitioning God to the point where we're, we're using all of our strength and energy to say, God, how do we reach them? How can we be 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 used to you so we can touch their lives and lead them to how God because they're dying in their sins they're lost and how do they get saved Lord I'm driving from Food Bazaar I start thinking about passing out our postcards and I'm like I need I need to reach them. I was overwhelmed going away from there because I'm saying, look at all of this harvest. How are they going to be saved? And because me, when I think of the church, I think of an international church, a diverse church. That's how I think of it. I can't think of the church in one dimensional culture. I think of the church as a whole. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every nationality. And when I got to Food Bazaar, I said, oh, God, here is some of that stuff. How do I reach them? We got to travail in prayer. If we desire to see people saved, we got to travail in prayer. Every opportunity we get to pray, we need to travail in prayer in order to reach the loss. That is if we desire to see them saved. Paul's desire in prayer was that Israel would be saved. 
Christians today should have the same desire and prayer for our world to be saved. We should not say we're Christians and not travail in prayer for our world to be saved. Paul went on to say, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Well, Paul, does that satisfy you that they have a zeal for God? Does that satisfy you, Paul, that they're zealous for God? You're praying for them, Paul. Does that satisfy you that they have a zeal for God, that they're red hot for God? No. Unless they have a zeal for God according to the right way, according to the knowledge of God, we got to keep praying and seeking God that they will be saved. Don't you let every voice that say God make you think that, oh, they're fine. I don't need to pray. You better know the ways of God. You better understand who God is and have the knowledge of God that talking will not make you pray or not pray. You're supposed to know God enough as a Christian that you will know who we need to pray for and begin to call on the name of the Lord to say, God, save them. It doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. It matters what they're doing. Doing in their way of serving God. And that's what means they're saved or not saved. Not what comes out of their mouth. We hear people talk about the things of God. The word of God. But their action doesn't align with the word of God. Sometimes we see tears stream down the cheek as people experience the presence of God. But guess what? People cry about a whole lot of stuff. They watch movies and cry. A lot of things mess with people's emotions that cause them to cry. So when you experience the presence of God and it's so strong and so great and so overwhelming, it doesn't mean that you're right. It just means God is gracious and merciful to still allow you to experience his presence. But what are you doing in your actions? Paul's love for souls, led him to pray for them to be saved and led him to labor according to the knowledge of God. That's what moved him. He had the knowledge of God. So he labored. He prayed. He seeked the will of God because he wanted to see people saved. But hear me. That wasn't always what Paul did. Paul had good intentions always, though. Always had good intentions. But his first good intentions were not good. To him, there were good intentions. But that doesn't mean that your good intentions are good. 
You can have good intentions and they not be good. I don't think we stop to think about that. I think a lot of times we think because we mean well, it means we're doing well. Because we can mean well and be ignorant. We can be doing things that we think are good and right, but it's wrong because we're ignorant. Look at Acts chapter 22, verse number 3. This is Paul. He was Saul at this time. In verse 3 it says, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God. Capital G. So the real God. As ye are, as ye all are this day. He went on to say, I persecuted this way. Let me stop there for a second. So what he was saying was, how I serve God, that was the right way. How y'all serving God is the wrong way. That's what we're reading here. Paul is saying, I was zealous for God. The way he was zealous for God in his mind, that was the right way. And the way the other apostles and disciples were serving God to him, wrong way. So he had a zeal for God. He thought he was serving God. He had good intentions. And I persecuted this way unto the death. Binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom I also received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Now, I can go into so many directions with that, that it'll make your head spin. But first thing I would tell you is this. When Paul responded to the voice, the voice didn't say, it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The voice didn't say, it is God Almighty. The voice said, I am Jesus, who thou persecutest. Because when you talk to somebody, when you introduce yourself to somebody, you do it given your name. Hey, brother, I'm fathered. 
Hey, brother, I'm son. Hey, sister, I'm the Holy Spirit. What is that? How how, how you're going to know me? But when I come up to you and I say, hey, it's me, it's Wayne. I just identified myself. So understand, God identified himself. So God's name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is almighty God manifest. And so he introduced himself to Paul officially. Because Paul was doing wrong in the name of God. But God had to meet him and say, hey, 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 hey. This is me here. And he introduced himself and let him know it's Jesus. Church, here is what I'm going to tell you. You can have good intentions and still be wrong. You can have good intentions and be going in the wrong direction. But we serve a merciful God. We serve a kind and gracious God. We serve a loving God. And his name is Jesus. And what he will do, he will always come to you. And he will always say to you, wait a minute. You're going in the wrong way. Wait a minute. That's not the right way. But you know. He might come speaking to you himself. Or he might use somebody like me. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. When he uses who he wants to, don't miss it. If he doesn't give you a personal up close, hey, it's me, Jesus. Don't get upset. He might just use me to say, hey, it's Jesus speaking to you. So when he speaks to you, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to have your good intentions but be wrong? Are you going to continue in your ways that you think are good intentions or stop in your track like the Apostle Paul and says, oh, oh, what's going on here? In verse number nine, the word of God says, and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Here we go. Verse 10. And I said. Here's what Paul said. What shall I do, Lord? One, two, three, four, five. If you live by those five letters, those five words, I should say, if you live by those five words, boy, you will go a long way in Christ. If you live According to those five way in Christ. He says, what shall I do, Lord? So first of all, he's pointing out a lot of stuff. He's saying, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it because you are the ruler over my life. That's what he just said. What should I do, Lord? So when he, when he said that, what he's saying is, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever you want me to do, you are the ruler. You are the one who is sovereign. Whatever you want, I will do it. How many of us today that are Christians can say, 
Whatever it is that you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. Or we're going to hold on to our good intentions. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. The Lord just gave him that quick little piece. Now he had to go see the servants of God. And they will tell him what God is saying. And so it doesn't matter how you think God should do his business. God will still use flawed people like me. God will still use people like me that are not perfect. God will still use people like me that are limited in knowledge. God will still use people like me that, 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 have, that, that are flesh and blood and one day will die. God will always use people like me. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what you think. It's the way God does. What do he do? What are you going to do? Are you going to keep on walking around saying, well, he's just a man. Are you going to keep on walking around saying, well, you know, he can make mistakes. And guess what? He make mistakes and God still forgives him. So God, you know, all these things we like to say to appease ourselves, to continue in our good intentions. Good intentions can't save us. We can have good intentions. We can mean well. We can have a zeal for God. Intense, fervent, and enthusiastic, but lack and the righteousness will save us. It is a good thing that we have a zeal for God, but it should be according to the knowledge of God and according to his righteousness and not according to your good intentions. Ignorance is the mother of devotion according to the church at Rome. Ignorance is the mother of error, according to the word of God, and error will cause one to perish. My people perish for lack of knowledge. When God has given us knowledge, if we reject it, we're going to perish. And there's nothing God can do about it. If he gives you knowledge and you reject it. If he gives you what you need and you don't take it and, and, and apply it to your life, there is no saving you. So when he says my people perish for lack of knowledge, it means he's given it to you, but you're rejecting it. It doesn't mean it's lost or you can't find it. It means he's giving it to you. He, he is revealing it to you, but you are rejecting or neglecting. And God is saying, how else will you be saved? Because I'm the Savior. And when I reveal to you who I am and what I need you to do, that's the only way you can be saved because I'm the Savior. If you reject that, how else will you be saved? Well, you're going to cling to your good intentions. What we need to know is the knowledge of God so we cannot be corrupted by the knowledge of man. 
when you get the knowledge of God in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, man's knowledge cannot corrupt you. Oh, my God, when you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you uh, and you just yield and submit yourself to the Holy Ghost, uh, man's knowledge cannot corrupt you. Uh, so when man begin to speak eloquently, when man begin to speak uh, with knowledge that you might think it's, oh, that's great wisdom and knowledge, it's still of man and not of God, and it can't save us, it can't deliver us, and it can't heal us. So I'm not impressed, and I will not allow the knowledge of man to overwhelm me or get the best of me. But the only way I can guard against that is to make sure I receive and respond to the knowledge of God. If you have more knowledge of man than you do knowledge of God, man will get the best of you. The knowledge of man will get the best of you if you have more knowledge of man than you have knowledge of God. Good intentions cannot save you. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to get out of that place of conformity according to our own way. And we're going to have to shake ourselves. We're going to have to get to a place where we're going to have to say, I can't continue to be this way. And I'm not going to worry about what people will think of me. This drastic change that will come to my life. I will just have to trust God with this drastic change. I will just have to trust God in the way I will speak. In the way I will conduct myself. I am just going to have to trust God because I can't continue to live in my own knowledge and my own well intentions. I have to live according to God's knowledge and God's righteousness and God's spirit. That's the way I need to live. And I can't worry about all the other ways of living. I can't. I can't. Can't do it. I'd rather stay silent and look like I have no opinions. I said Saturday, last night before I pray, I said, as I begin to speak the words of God and live out the words of God as best as I can, and when people ask me about the current events, my response will always be according to the word of God. I said last night, and I'll say it here today again, I am not afraid to speak about it. I am not afraid of anything. I am not trying to, 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 to do anything to, to, to present myself in any way weak in any way because I don't want to deal with the current events. I'm dealing with it godly, not in the ways of man. That's how I'm going to deal with the current events, godly, not in the ways of man. And you see, the ways of man, they, man gets you to, when man deal with things, there will always be sides. And every time there is sides, you're going to always have opposition. Well, here is what I've decided. Let me tell you all what I've decided. I would rather y'all oppose me when I'm on God's side than when I take some man's side and y'all opposing me. You ain't catch that. 
We can take any sides we want of man. There will always be opposition because everybody got a different way of thinking. Everybody got a different way of reasoning. And because of your experiences in life, you always got a different way of how you see things different from other, uh, some others. And that's fine. But what I've cho- chosen to do is not even deal with the man part of it. These matters that we're dealing with in these days, they're too important for me to start dealing with in the knowledge of man. It's all in the knowledge of God. And so if you want to condemn me, if you want to talk about me while I am promoting the things of God and speaking the words of God, then by all means, go ahead. Because I ain't touching the foolishness that people talk about. Y'all go ahead and talk about it, people. Y'all go ahead and speak how smart you are. You know this and you know that and you studied this and you studied that and all that stuff. Go ahead and let your knowledge speak out because it's just man's knowledge. What can man's knowledge do for eternal life? What can man's knowledge do to save us? You think I want to waste time wrapped up in man's knowledge? So I refuse to get into any conversation about all of the current events. When someone come to me about all the current events, I'm going to listen carefully and I'm going to say, my desire is that this world be saved. (laughs) My desire is that this world be saved because saved people will not do certain things. Saved people will not live. Saved people. I already heard you in your mind. I know some Christians. They're not Christians. You have called them Christians. Stop it. Stop telling me you know some Christians. If they're behaving a certain way, they have turned their backs on God. If they're behaving a certain way, they've rejected God. If they're behaving a certain way, right now they're away from God. So don't tell me you know some Christians. Don't tell me that. They're not. That's why they're behaving that way. So don't don't say you know some Christians who blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. And there's some people that's been living for God for a while that they're not in a good spiritual position with the Lord right now. But you have known them to be living for God for a long time. You know they've been going to church and they pray and that's cool. But their actions might be saying they're not in a good place. So your prayers and your desires should be that they're saved. Because this ain't no one save, always save kind of deal. No, 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 no. We don't get saved and then say, oh, you're always saved. No, that's not how it works. You have to keep on working out your own salvation. You got to keep on living this thing. You got to keep on following this thing. It ain't no one saved you always. You got to keep working at this thing. So don't make the mistake of saying you know a Christian. Stop you right there. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Same for me. If I'm not behaving in a Christian-like manner, holy and righteous, following the knowledge of God, pray for me. That's where everybody crossed the board. So let's not talk about who is a Christian that's doing this and doing that. They're not in a good place with God. That's why they're doing it. Don't say they're Christians. Man's knowledge lead him to establish his own righteousness. His own standards, which we know our righteousness is as filthy rags. Let me show you some man's righteousness. This is what we do as as humans. 
because we want to force our righteousness, our standard. We're trying to show people who we are and try to present ourselves a certain way. This is what we do. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Lawyer. Lawyer. You know, lawyers like to make their point. Lawyers like to win arguments. <laughs> Come on, bring your lawyer self on. Stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And the lawyer answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and love thy neighbor as thyself. Lawyers, they study it, man. They, you want them to quote um, the law, um, what section and all that. They, that's what he just did. Boy, he quoted that thing tight. Lawyer, testing Jesus because he's self-righteous. Verse 28, and Jesus said unto him, thou has answered right. Because Jesus knew this is scriptures from the Old Testament, so he answered right. This do, this do, and thou shall live. So Jesus said, so now that you know the law, do it, and you'll live. Verse 29, but the lawyer willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Man's wisdom, man's knowledge. They get on my nerves sometimes, boy, I tell you. So they went through all of that. He agreed. Jesus agreed. Okay, this is the word, this is the law. Now you're talking about who's my neighbor. You know why he's asking who's my neighbor? Because he got self-righteousness, his own knowledge of standard, his own way of standard, how he thinks things should be. He's intelligent. He's a lawyer, sharp. This is where I think it should be anyway. So when Jesus laid down the law, according to the word of God, he was trying to trip him up. Well, who's my neighbor? And if you read more into the story, that's the story that talks about the good Samaritan. And Jesus just shook him down. Like, yo, here's your neighbor. And he gave him a story about the Good Samaritan, how the guy died. The guy was a Jew, and, and he was in the street, beat up, got robbed. He didn't die, I'm sorry. He was beaten up, robbed, and everything, laying in the street. And Jews went by him, and priests went by him, and all these people. And then all of a sudden, this guy that was a Samaritan, he was not a Jew. He was one that the Jews did not like. He saw him and attended to him, and Jesus said, that's your neighbor. So our neighbors are those that are not our brothers and sisters. It's obvious that you love your brothers and sisters. So everybody that's not your brothers and sisters are your neighbor. So it really boils down to you got to love everybody. You're commanded and demanded to love your brothers and sisters. So whether it be flesh and blood or it be in Christ, they're your brothers and sisters. And the ones that's not your brothers and sisters in Christ or flesh and blood, you need to love them as yourself. 
So who shouldn't you love? We're supposed to love everybody. So this self-righteous lawyer, that's what Jesus told him. You're supposed to love everybody. Don't come here with your foolishness. Here's another one, another self-righteous dude. Luke chapter 18, verse number 10. Two men went up in the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, this is what he was praying. Listen to this prayer, eloquent. God, I thank thee. Sound like he started off pretty good. That I am not as other men are. When you start praying and you make people to be less than you, you're in trouble. <laughs> he says, I'm not as other men are. What are the other men that you're not? They're extortioners. They're unjust. They're adulterers. And even this publican over here, I'm not like them. Listen, listen, listen how, how, how you top notch. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's he, he just reading his resume to God. God don't know his resume, huh? He, he reading his resume to God. We don't need to read our resume to God, okay? When you pray, you don't need to say, God, and yesterday, and God, and you know I do this good. He was reading his resume. Verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. You know, I found over the years, when I go into the marketplace or I go, go door knocking, Brother D, people that are outright sinners are easier to reach than good people. It's so hard when I go in these nice communities and I knock on their doors. Hello, my name is Wayne. I'm from the local church. Just in the neighborhood, we're praying for you. And, uh, you know, we just want to know if you attend any church. Do you, are you interested in attending any church? And would you like us to pray for you? And we just want to know, you know, do you know who Jesus is? And do you know anything about salvation? We're just in your neighborhood. Those nice houses that I go to, they closed the door on me and they said, we're good. We're good. Then I go into some places where they're drinking alcohol, smoking their weed, doing all kind of stuff. And I roll up on them and, and they says, oh, man, I know I ain't supposed to be doing this. I just walk up. I know I'm, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. Come on, Rev. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, just don't come over here. I know I'm not supposed to. When I go down to the jail, I know I'm wrong. And they're quicker to say, Lord, have mercy on me because their sin is so blatant. And these good people, their sin are blatant to them. Because I take care of my family. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't cheat on my wife or my husband. 
I only have a half a glass of wine every once in a while. I never get drunk. I give my old clothes that I don't wear anymore to Salvation Army. I treat people right. My neighbors and I get along. I'm good, right? Those people are hard to reach because that's how they're thinking. They're thinking like that Pharisee. The public can stand.